0: Hello and welcome to Banking Transform, the top podcast in retail banking. I'm your host, Jim Roos, owner and CEO of the Digital Banking Report and co-publisher of the Financial Brand. When we talk about digital customer experiences, we're talking about a whole dynamic of things such as empathy, simplicity, experience, and seamless integration of channels. Now more than ever, Consumers are expecting more from their financial institution when it comes to a better customer experience. They're expecting you to look out for them in a way like never has been done before. To achieve the highest level of customer experience, organizations of all sides, they have to find partners that can help them achieve their goals without deep engagement or involvement, but with a high level of trust. We are fortunate to have Courtney Rowan, Vice President of Digital Experience from Citadel Credit Union out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania with us today. She's going to discuss her journey pre-COVID through today on how Citadel has built exceptional customer experiences for all of their members. So Courtney, before we start, let's start a little bit around your introduction of yourself as well as about Citadel Credit Union.
1: Sure, sure. Uh, Thanks for having me on. This is a great opportunity. So I'm the VP for our digital experience group here at Citadel. Citadel is a credit union that is, we're about 30 miles outside of Philly. Go birds. uh, Five billion in assets. Um, Generally, we serve the southeastern Pennsylvania, greater Philly area. Uh, 240,000 members um, do a ton of philanthropic uh, access, a lot with CHOP. So Children's Hospital, Philadelphia, um, just recognizes Forbes twenty twenty two best in state credit unions for the third year, um, so we're we're recognized certainly locally, um, and we're in the top one hundred credit unions in the country.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna get to that because I I did read about some of your accolades. <laughs> it's, it's pretty cool. So you know, you have a long history. You have over two decades of experience at Citadel, but over the last four years, you've been in charge of uh, digital experiences. How has you came in at an interesting time, to say the least, with the <laughs> pandemic and everything. But from your perspective, how has the importance of and delivery of enhanced experiences to your members changed over the last three to four years?
1: Yeah, boy, that's a loaded question, right? Um, well, I think to say that COVID uh, evolved it is probably an understatement uh, across the industry. Um, we We were always focused on, you know, quote unquote digital transformation, but that uh, catapulted it. So we knew that we had to turn more fast into these digital services. We were already starting down paths to introduce lots of stuff like online appointment scheduling and video banking, um, but boy, did COVID set that need. We had to close our offices as many folks did for a while. And so we knew we had to keep serving our members. Uh, We were essential, which was great, but you know how do you do that in the landscape that has completely changed uh, almost overnight? So it forced us to rethink our model um, and we remained successful. We had growth, uh, which I think is a standout considering with the situation and everything that was going on. Um, so it really just, it just pivoted everything we were thinking about and those behaviors continued. So once the folks that probably weren't as digitally savvy use those services, um, remote deposit capture, I mean, it was there, but everyone's continued using it because they realized, oh, wow, this is kind of really easy. Um, so it, it actually t- continued to change the business and drove our our thought process on how we were going to get to folks. Um, and that remains today.
0: So, so let's take a more recent view of it because it's one thing to respond to an emergency, which COVID was, and certainly it was with regard to how we deliver products, services, um, the basics of banking to our members. Yep. But after COVID settled down, after we hit the basics, what is it within your organization that, that propelled you to continue to do better in that area? Because really it it's one thing to respond to an immediate need and do it, because bankers do that for their living, but what kept the momentum, or what has kept the momentum going?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So it, it is it is really a desire to focus on a digital first strategy. Um, there's obviously efficiencies to gain from doing that on the business side, but it was delivering the desired member experience. Um, we're in competition, whether we like it or not, with Amazon, with the social media platforms. Um, you know. They're, they're still leading in experience. So regardless of what you do, if someone comes to your site or your digital banking platform and you're not delivering that in the same way that they're used to, you're not gonna succeed. So there was already recognition there that we had to stay the course. And like I said, that just propelled us to get there faster. But those those elements of, of MX or UX, uh, they're driving everything that we're doing today. Um, obviously we want growth and acquisition but we need those pieces in place to make that successful
0: so so it's interesting because you know you're a legacy organization you have a, a board and a, an executive committee that looks very typical of the of the stable financial institution that stability and even the fact that you continue to grow during covid yeah can make it so that you can get a little comfortable you don't you don't have to do those extra things, such as you mentioned, improving the digital experiences, putting more money into data analytics to make things right. Yep. What is it about your organization that says, we're not going to rest on our laurels?
1: Yeah, that, that's a great question. We, we recognize the challenge and we want to stand out. I think the key thing there, Jim, especially as a credit union, right? Generally as an industry, we're probably looked at as not as savvy. Uh, We don't offer the same products, but we do. And we wanted to make sure that members knew, and, and anybody, prospects, that we were in the same service space. You know, banking's a commodity, but we need to stand out, right? And so the way to do that is to deliver it with digital first in mind, to meet their needs and find them where they are and know that we can Uh, you know, service them on however they want, open accounts, et cetera. Um, Our CEO is very driven and we need to stand out, but we also need to be there to serve the community, right? We're a community bank at the end of the day, right? We're a credit union. So how do we do that in a way that sustains everybody around us, right? Because we're holding them up as much as they're holding us up. And then um, that rolled into things like small business banking, uh, which we rolled out last year because again that that's that's a cornerstone in the community and how credit unions uh survive candidly. So but we can't rest on our laurels. We couldn't do it the way we we always have done. You know, it's
0: interesting you mention your leadership. It, it's something that we keep on coming back to with every one of on my podcasts when I'm interviewing people that are with successful banks, credit unions, fintech firms, suppliers is mm-hmm. that it really gets down to leadership and and yeah. leadership you know, it can be a a group of people that, that, Say, man, we're doing well. We're gonna we're gonna take it easy, or they can go where the risk is, which is hard to assume when things are going well. You know, you mentioned it and you referenced it, and I said I'd get back to it. But in 2021, you were named a best-in-state credit union by Forbes Magazine. That, that's mm-hmm. that's pretty lofty stuff, and it really looks great on the resume when you when you've been at the job as far as digital experience for two years, and at that time, and now you have another couple years beyond you. And I understand that. From what I understand, the credit unions were scored based on customer recommendations, satisfaction, um, their, the trust, the brand services, the digital services, financial advice. Of all those things that went into the equation, mm-hmm. from your perspective, what was the most important item that you think, you know what, that that sets us apart from the rest?
1: Uh, I think <laughs> that's a large question. I think that. Being able, so the year is important, right? Cause it was 2021 and it was after every, all the craziness that happened, right? We did, we made extra efforts to, to meet the needs of the folks around us during that time. And we did it, I think primarily, and to your point, it was leadership down driven, right? We did it primarily through new digital tools and things that we were able to, to get to quickly. So there's agility. Right, That ability to be agile and and make those changes internally um, to streamline the processes really on the back end to push outward. Um, We also, I think this was a huge uh, item that led into that. When we talked about, we have a huge customer base or member base that is auto loans. And we knew that this was going to be an issue, right? People just stopped working. They couldn't work. And so, okay, how are we going to do that? We made an effort to automatically advance some due dates for folks, not penalize them, keep them afloat. So again, it's that community service that we did through through customer service. And we allow them to also get to us very easily in our digital channels. So you didn't have to worry about, oh, I gotta stop in and deal with this, because you couldn't, right? You could literally go on your device, your mobile device and video us and talk to someone. You could schedule an appointment to get to somebody very quickly, or you could go right into your online banking and re- make a request um, in, in tandem with some of the automated things we did that was just the right thing to do at the time. And I think all of that went into the satisfaction scores and all of that. Um, and because we're able to maintain the business end, our rates didn't fly up, you know, we didn't have a bunch of fees going out. So we're able to maintain all of the, the, the positive side of the business that got returned to the members, which you know, at the end of the day, that's what a credit union is doing. So I think it was amalgamation of all of that coming together.
0: Well, it's interesting because it, I'm I'm listening to the way you're saying things, and it sounds like when COVID hit, you were you were caught a little bit in a mode where you had to play catch up, but very quickly. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you're you're now. I, you never feel like you're caught up, but you're in a position of strength now, and but still keeping that momentum going. I keep on talking about momentum, but when you're talking about the the whole issue of catching up, deploying video conferencing, all these things, a lot of organizations did not do that when COVID hit. I mean, they right. they because you didn't have to, but it sounds like it really set momentum in, momentum in place that has really carried you well beyond COVID. But now we have another crisis. We have the economic crisis, and we aren't sure where that's going to head. We know that it's, if nothing else, unknown. How has improving digital experience been prioritized now that COVID's passed and we have the positions in some organizations saying, geez, how can we scale back?
1: Yeah. Um, It has been hugely prioritized here at Citadel. Um, We are crafting really what we're calling our digital first strategy. Now, digital first doesn't mean digital only. It is just a way to humanize through technology um, all of these things that consumers need and want in the financial space. So that translates to things like bringing AI on, right? How is AI gonna help us meet that, whether it's through chatbots or automated lending, like, you know, what does that look like in our space? I think it also has propelled us to think about partners versus a vendor. So as a credit union, we're very uh, partner heavy, but who are the partners that are going to be scalable, move us through this and keep us on the up and up. So to your point, we don't want to play catch up anymore. We're okay. Um, You know, we don't want to be bleeding edge, but we certainly want to be able to compete. And these digital tools are not going away. If anything, they're getting more competitive. The fintechs are popping up. Um, you know, things that keep me up at night, Be uh, buy now, pay later, like, how do we even get into that space as a credit union, right? So it's all these things um, that I think are, are, again, leadership driven. What are we focused on? Acquisition, onboarding technology, personalization, you mentioned data, right? Cookie-less future, uh, we have to be prepared for that. Uh, Chrome's saying goodbye, what, next year, 2024? So... How, what are we gonna do for first party data? Because we have to be able to talk to you, Jim, not you look-alike, Jim, right? In order to be successful there. So all of those technologies coming together, and, and is it a CRM, a CDP, like all of those are propelling our thought process and our strategies.
0: You know, you, you talked about acquisition. Um, we've done research at the digital bank report that continues to show that roughly 60% of people that want to open an account digitally abandon the process, which means of those people that want to do business with you. Oh, and by the way, we all put great websites and are hit good in Google search results, all that. And then we kind of fall on our face. Um, We talk about the the 15 minute opening experience. That is not digital that now you can possibly do it on a phone. That doesn't mean you want to do it on a phone. I I don't watch videos for 15 minutes on a phone, even, even while I'm walking the dog. So how has the prioritization of a digital account opening experience played a role at Citadel Credit Union, and where are you today and where do you want to be a year from now in that process?
1: Yeah, that is an excellent <laughs> question. So we launched, we had digital account opening to your point, right, prior to all of this happening. Um, we were in the throes of redeveloping our digital account opening process uh, with a company called TerraFina in the middle of COVID, right? Like we shut down, boom, done. They were the first project we reenacted, to your point, right? We knew we had to get this out there. Um, but the wins that we had immediately, so you mentioned the 15-minute uh, con- you know, conversion process. Ours was 26 minutes prior to. I mean, that is painful, right? <laughs> this new software took us down to three minutes. So... That alone, we would have been like, okay, cool, done, we won, right? Like just alone getting folks through a funnel in three minutes after after having 26 was huge. But it introduced all this new technology. So uh, another friction point I'll say for credit unions is that secret handshake. So who can join eligibility, uh, the mystery around that, I think, especially for prospects when they, they do wanna get onboarded well and join. Um, we leverage the technology through that platform to say, look, if, if they're giving me an address that's their work or home and it meets our criteria, don't even ask them about eligibility. 99% of the folks that are gonna come through are gonna qualify, so why even ask the question? If there's a fallout point, we'll deal with that. But for the most part, you know, you're dealing with, most folks are gonna come right in. So we were able to do that. We introduced, um, you mentioned mobile, and I think this was huge. Just having the uh, driver's license update and the OCR functionality to streamline that again contributed to the smaller conversion time. And um, and then we partnered with Alloy through them as well. So the KYC factors that came into play and the ease of getting through that um, just made it so much easier. Um, and the numbers showed in our results. And and your deposit
0: capture, you know, that all oh, these yeah. things, all these things we had to do in person that we no longer could do, but we can't make it just the analog process done on digital. It doesn't answer yeah. that.
1: No, our our initial funding grew three hundred and ninety five percent within eight months of launching that. So I mean, all these positive stats, we were like, okay, we got it, we figured it out.
0: <laughs> so if I wanted to open an account at Citadel right now, what? How long would it take me?
1: three to four minutes tops. Really? If you had everything in front of you, right? You have your license or whatever. Yep. But we're telling you that ahead of time. Like you said, the website saying like, hey, you've got to have all your, your stuff. There is no reason you couldn't get through that funnel A to Z in three to four minutes.
0: That That's interesting because, you know, I, I still cringe at the whole uh, driver's license issue because there's other ways to do that digitally. But those are stages. They don't come right off the bat. And, and you know, what yeah. we're what we're seeing in a lot of organizations is what the, the solution provider brings to you and mm-hmm. says they can do. We get in their way so often as financial institutions. How did you, because you obviously had to own this process. How yeah. did you own it in a way that your organization just didn't say, you can change anything you want, but just not that, which was what related to them. How, how did you work through that? To make it so you could get your product management group, your delivery group, your security group, your fraud group, your compliance group, all working towards the same mission and maybe even get them in the mindset that we aren't really there yet.
1: Yeah. Um, so the, all those people and all those players, right? It sounds like you've done this before. That was a lot to bring together at a table. Um So a couple of things. One, we blocked off a full week of meetings every day and brought those players in at specific times and hit every single aspect very succinctly, right? We sat down, we banged all that out. But I go back to the comment I made earlier around partners and not vendors. We chose a partner that was bringing knowledge to us and best-in-class practices to us so that gave us the ability to leverage that with the internal groups and say, look, there's a reason that this is working for other clients, and we need to take advantage of it. So I think, you know, it's it's no surprise. Risk is always one of the toughest, right? You mentioned driver's license. Yes, we're not resting on our laurels. What can we do better there? But at the time, I mean, you can imagine 26 minutes to get through an app. We were probably asking for everything, including blood type. So
0: yeah, oh yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah. What are we getting rid of? What can we, what, what do we really need and what is using to just get them in, right? Just get them onboarded and into the account and then we can start cross-selling and talk to them about other stuff to help them, you know, build their relationship with us. So it was a lot of those conversations and I go back to one, there was leadership saying we're, we're doing this, right? And so cool, that gives us leverage to to make that statement. And then it was having the right partner to say, this is what works. This is why. And we're going to recommend this for you.
0: It's, uh, an, it's Leadership is so key, but but also having a person that's going to own the process, obviously you, yeah. who's going to be not subtle in their their demands for what's needed, but at the same time building trust. I, you know, we're, we're getting to see more and more in our, our podcast where we're realizing that the trust between leadership and what I'll call mid-level leadership. The trust among leaders within an organization, the trust of employees to the the leadership and the trust between the partners and the organization. Those things are all important because if anybody doubts, if anybody thinks their job is at risk, if we do it the new way, it all falls apart. Right. Now, I, I'm already getting the impression just by talking with you just for a little while, you'll blow through any wall to get done what needs to be done. And that's, that's a big credit to you. But it's also big credit to your organization for allowing you that leverage to play that role. Because you know we talk about the fact that things that organizations do, that is wrong. One of them is uh, basically letting anybody have their own way about how things are gonna be added in. Because banking is not a place that narrows things down. We continue to expand things, no matter what yeah. we do. The other thing is we're all fearful of our own jobs, but we put it in different contexts. Oh, we've yeah. never done that. We can't do that. We Just that and the other thing is gonna go wrong. The reality is you gotta build that trust and, and congratulations to Citadel and yourself. Because that is a difficult process. But what's nice is that that takeoff, that runway to take off from where you're gone and to go beyond that sets the tone. Because I would imagine this whole digital account opening process happened with a lot of people still working remotely. So when oh, you, yeah. we, we talk about we get everybody in the room together is a facetious thought now. <laughs> just, we get people on their <laughs> screens together, which is different. It's harder.
1: It is. It is To your point, I think allowing, being allowed to be that agent of change, right? And then because the strategy was set at the leadership level, I think there was buy-in across the org. And there still is today that we need to do this to be successful. That allows room for compromise and innovation. Okay, we've always done it this way. Okay, but do we have to? And what are those puts and takes to say, well, how do we, one, make it better, easier? And what are we comfortable with? What are we okay with getting rid of or changing to make it meet the needs without, you know, giving up too much if it's a requirement? So is a lot of art of compromise back and forth and understanding the why behind the, the asks and being able to say, well, we have uh, data to back up this process or change. Um, but yes, the element of trust is huge to say, all right, you've done other things before that were successful, or we've seen, you know, great results from prior, uh, you know, implementations that we've done for whatever it might be. And then saying, okay, we're going to follow you, right? And that's not just me. That's all the leadership here, but but certainly part of it.
0: Well, it's interesting, too, because we're, none of us are sitting there with a lack of things to do. I, I've, I've been fortunate. I've met with over 200 financial institution executives, one-on-one in discussions. And one question I always ask is, what's your biggest challenge today? And they all invariably say, it's getting what needs to be done today done. And so we're not Mm -hmm. looking for new initiatives. So when you put a new initiative on for the customer experience, it's added work. But if you pick a good partner that will run down the field on your behalf Mm -hmm. and you can trust them to go down without you having to block the whole way or worst case – fall in front of them and create a a barrier yeah you've done well and that's not it's much easier said than done i i am lucky that i get to interview so many exceptional people on the podcast but it's not always real world where a lot of organizations go oh this doesn't sound anything like my institution you know what's interesting too we've talked about on on different communications and interviews i've done that to make a good top of glass experience a good mobile experience overall Mm-hmm. takes really hard work behind or below the glass. In other words, your back office operations, your processes, your automation. What have you done at Citadel to change the back office to drive a better front office experience?
1: Yeah, so to me that is so big and I think people don't understand the importance of they hear digital, they hear they're always thinking front end. And it's like, if you don't, if you don't look at your back end processes and understand where those gaps are, that that pushes out to the front, good or bad. So for us, we really did look at it's all about automation, honestly. What were we doing? We had what we called faux automation going on, right? And I'm probably not alone in this in, in institutions where, you know, to the front end, to you as a user, oh, it looks really slick. But once it gets into our system, maybe there was twenty hands on that one thing. So um, you it don't was want written... to know
0: how it's made.
1: Yeah, exactly, and nobody wants to know. And God bless them, right? Of course. But but once you figure out oh, why are we doing it this way, right? And what are those puts and takes? So uh, I mean, a couple of things I'm thinking about is um, one, all the automation that we just talked about for online account opening. So. Uh, we were moving files back and forth. Why are we doing that? There's a system that can move these things back and forth and capture. And like, nobody's hands need to be in that pot. Um, and even things like our automating uh, pre-approving things when you're coming through that new account process. So it, we're going to look at the information that we get from a file. Hey, does this look good against this matrix? That matrix says yes, good. Push out, push out an approval and move on. Um, Trying to reduce that manual intervention. Um, Submitting balance transfers. Okay, well, before you had to submit a form and that went through, but now it's like, okay, that goes through and gets automatically pushed out. So these backend things freeze up folks, uh, employees, to stop doing those processes and, and let them focus on things that are really gonna make an impact, right? Stop pushing paper around. Let's get into where the change really happens. And by the way, it also produces a great member experience on the front end. So it's back to front,
0: truly. So as you're tested every day to say, how do I make experience better? How to make experiences better? How do I fix this little component that can really drive a big wedge in, in a really complicated, involved process that's outdated? How do you sell that internally? But more importantly, what challenges do you have in trying to implement brand new ideas that may be a solution that a, a, a provider such as TiraFina provides, but it's not always say, just because it makes sense, it gets bought. How do you do it? And then what challenge did you have along the way usually?
1: Yeah. Without even so names. Yeah, no. Um, I think proving value is always going to be first, right? So, because you and I can sit here and say, it's experiential, cool, it's gonna look great, right? People are gonna use it, all right? But what does that mean for me as a business? There still has to be that aspect. Only because now I have to assign resources to do whatever that is, which is taking away from maybe another thing that, that we think is important. So it's proving the value that could be from an ROI study to say, look, we've got data to back up that this works. It could be a lifetime value, like this, this is gonna drive a lot of uh, loyalty and relationship. And so you have to look at that more, maybe longer term and understand what those put, those returns are gonna be. Um, and, and I think also um, letting it breathe a little and let people ask the questions because what you don't wanna do is barrel it so much that people feel overwhelmed, but really let them understand the why, and then come back and let them pick at it a little bit. And then you get a chance to really show the value within those conversations. So um, again, it's the art of compromise and brutal prioritization. What does this mean against everything else we're trying to get done?
0: Yeah. And, and it's interesting because sometimes it's, it's below the surface what's bothering people. You know, you, you think it's X, but, uh, you know, I've seen many times that That why, the thing that really is underlying it is that, am I going to be replaced by what you're developing? Yes. And, you know, we've had a great conversation with a couple organizations that you realize that as long as they can build trust again, in that we are going to give you the opportunity to be part of our digital future, you may not decide to do that but we're not going to replace your job in the traditional sense where there won't be one there for you. We still need people. We still need people, especially who have legacy at Citadel to work with us. However, your job may not look the exact same as it does did before. Um, You know, with regard to that, how do you see the importance of the human in the digital experience?
1: So going back to that digital first is not digital only, right? So it is, there is always a concern, exactly what you stated is, is this replacing me? Well, no, it's opening up opportunities for you to one, you might do your job differently or more more efficiently, which means you can learn more and grow, right? And then what does that mean as a career path? And also what does that mean for Citadel in terms of developing new opportunities across the board for staff, etc. cetera? Um, I think that taking that look at it and also you have to try and be proactive and understand what those concerns are. And really, you know, I, I always think about Simon Sinek. He, he looks at what's the, what's the infinite game, right? Like you can look at results tomorrow and Every day you're going to be like this, up and down, and you're going to be happy and sad and happy and sad. But look at the long-term outcome of what this is going to give us. And then you as an individual, you can contribute in so many different ways. And I think people, they get very comfortable in where they're at. And also digital savviness. If someone isn't in that headspace all the time, what can we do as an organization to provide that and build that? I'm going back to trust. Now I'm building trust with you as an employee to say, look, I'm here to support you. If you don't feel comfortable that you know this space or there's something you want to learn, like being there to teach it. Because we did a lot to to measure digital savviness, if you will, digital and intelligent quotient, and then say, all right, here's our gaps. How can we let folks understand how this impacts them? Oh, and the success of the org, which in turn is them as well. So, it, it just, you have to champion it and really um, be open to that feedback and then understand how you can facilitate it back to them um, to just get to a better space.
0: So, it's interesting, a lot of financial institutions are challenged by the fact that they have core providers that, through their own dynamics and, and acquisitions they've done, basically will tell their financial institutions, we can do anything that these these partners these independent third party partners can do a terafin and such and that we can do this as well when you're looking at enhancing customer experiences digitally how do you weigh the benefits of what a core provider provides as part of their solution Versus the technology and capabilities of third parties such as Cherifina, with regard to moving the organization forward, what are the the balancing acts that you have to perform on any of those bal- uh, any of those decisions?
1: Yeah, oh, that's a huge one: in house versus out house. Right? Like, are we going to do this? or Are we going to try and outsource it? For us, I think it's it's often come down to expertise. So you have a core provider is a great example, right? A lot of core providers do lots of stuff, but what they really do well is core banking. You might also offer an online banking platform, but that's not your core business. So how are you gonna be able to provide the same amount of attention and development and innovation in that space when you're really trying to focus on being a core provider? So I think that's part of it. And so that conversation goes into, well, who is the expertise in that? And so, Do they work with the core provider? To me, that goes on to this whole concept of open banking. Let experts be experts, right? But how do we get them to work together so that we have those synergies so that when I come to so-and-so, Tarafina and say, hey, I want to do this online account opening product with you, this is our core provider. Can you make that work? How easy do you make that on both ends? And hey, core provider, are you going to open up your world to us so we can make this a symbiotic relationship? Because it has to be. So that is always a challenge. Um, but to me, it comes down to, again, expertise. You do what you really do, what you're really good at.
0: <laughs> it does, You know, what we find, too, when we're balancing the core provider versus a specialty company is mm-hmm. speed and scale. Um, yeah. we no longer have the luxury of being able to knock on doors for a year to get something implemented that right. could possibly, if I give the the partner complete, you know, control over it to implement in three months. I mean, I, right. I, you're not, you're not benefiting from the fact that, you know, you have on your annual plan, you're going to do X, Y, or Z when that's an annual uh, assumption as opposed to, Oh, by the way, that's March, that's June, that's September. So, with that in mind, as you look, I'm going to do one more question on, on the consumer side, then we're going to shift a little bit. But okay. on the consumer side, if you look to 2023, what's your top one or two objectives from a standpoint of customer experience in the digital world?
1: Yeah. So um, one thing that we're looking at heavily and are in the midst of, of doing is our, our digital banking platform. So to the question of innovation and being in the space, yes, I, wow, it is a massive project. Um, But we, again, we don't, we knew it was time and we wanted to understand scalability is huge, right? So uh, we're evolving so fast in the digital banking, the FinTech environment. If we don't have the right partner in that space to support us, we're constantly gonna be playing catch up. And that is not an okay stance for us to be at. We want to be ahead of the game and in competition with every big bank scalable process and product that's out there. And so we decided to make that leap. Um, So that's huge. And then also uh, AI is coming into our world. Um, We have live chat, but really folding into the chat bot world because... One is machine learning. It's going to help us get smarter. We're going to learn from it, as well as it's going to help propel that service experience and the member experience. Um, in addition to, there's a cost savings, right? There's call deflection. Um, there's digital engagement there that's going to help us win. Um, I mean, I think B of A just put out their virtual assistant. They added it grew like sixty seven percent last year. I mean, that's that's insane.
0: And it's not their fr- that's not their first year. You know, it's one of those things. Yes, my digital, my digital assistant um, at uh, with Erica is expanded, but the numbers are astounding. And and as you look back as a as a financial services executive, you look back and go, man, you know, we all were going, yeah, whatever. But now they have seven years or six years of experience under their belt of things they had done wrong. You know, so they they're now able to move forward with a lot more confidence as to what it can be and with more and more customers on board that already are buying into totally digital experiences it's 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 insane so yeah. i'm going to do a little shift here okay. so can you talk to us a little bit about what you've done in the small business world i think you launched something last august if i'm not mistaken and yeah. how are the small business digital experiences different than what you're trying to achieve on the consumer side yeah so
1: you see me holding my face it was it was quite quite a challenge um we were in the business lending space but we knew we had to pivot and and create the digital deposit experience as well right And really be able to open up that side and so it was the balance of okay let's stand this up but also how do we meet those needs digitally so um the first thing is of course the digital online banking platform itself what services do we do we offer what's going to make us stand out um you know things like wires we didn't even offer them the consumer landscape and it was like we can't even launch business without that right like that is a that is a no-brainer um ach origination like you just can't function without that um so it was a lot of learning on my end because i was a consumer gal from you know the last 23 years so that was a whole whole new experience um but really taking that and understanding um how that whole concept applies to a whole different user set right so What does the small business users want? Um, What do they absolutely need to function? How are they gonna manage uh, even users under their their authorized users and who they want? They want their tax guy to have access to online banking. We have to enable that for them, right? They've got accountants, um, cash management services, all these things. So again, I go back to, we built a lot in-house, right? We had a great core provider that said, oh, we can help you with this. But then when it came to those auxiliary services who were best in class, who also offered a great digital experience so that that the small business owners could um, self serve a lot because again we don't want to get in their way but we want to make sure that we're also there to support them and make sure that they have the services they need um, and then all, even on the website we had to rebuild our whole front page if you will brand new navigation introduce a business banking section um, you know how are we going to generate lead because there's also the business development side of that um, so it was lead gen. Um, And then using uh, things like, we call it a helper tool, but essentially we're going to guide you through that process. What type of business do you have? What's your revenue size? All right, well, based on that, you might need to talk to someone or, hey, you can do this yourself through a digital account opening process. So it was building, it allowed us to be really innovative and do things that we kind of wanted to do in the consumer space that we now had this opportunity to do in small business um, because it, it lent itself to it. And then it just made sense from a UX perspective. So um, all of those things coming together, uh, it's probably eight to 10 months of work, but we had wild success and we're still growing on that. So um, all in all, it was a challenge, but it was a good one. <laughs> we How do won. you
0: success there? How did you, what kind of results can you share?
1: Yeah, so we, um, our, our lead generations on the website um, are, are up a lot, I would say. I think we've gotten... Uh, a few hundred successful leads in a very short period of time. So that was good. Um, We also, our business online banking platform was adopted immediately. We were able to convert. We had folks that were doing business with us, but they were in a consumer uh, product. So moving them over was really slick. And so it was no interruption to them. So that was big. Um, And so our engagement there has been really great and um, also social media. So this is something that I was not expecting, but the LinkedIn aspect of the small business has been huge to propel. Um, and again, I'm, I'm not a small business uh, traditionally. So for me, it, it was all learning, but I think like just last week, we booked a surgical center and it, at, at like 2.6 million mortgage off a LinkedIn um, conversation. So these things are happening in the digital space, uh, almost organically, But they were crafted by how we thought about and strategized how to put them out, if that makes sense.
0: It's amazing. As I look back and and just look in the very narrow frame of the last couple of years, the expectation of information transfer, you know, you mentioned Mm -hmm. a whole lot in that small business thing. You mentioned wires, you mentioned deposits, you mentioned acquisition, you mentioned social media, digital marketing, you know, all these things all have to talk to each other. You know, I get frustrated, I am a small business. I get frustrated by wires. You brought up wires, it's like, you know, thing up my neck going, eh, goes nuts because my bank, when they get a wire, tell me I got a wire for this much. They don't tell me any detail. I can't get the detail to the next day. There's no reason in my mind to think that that could happen. But for me, I'm in a subscription business. So if you pay for a subscription to the digital bank report, I get a, a wire transfer notification. I got a deposit. It doesn't tell me from who. And you may have wanted that report today and I won't give it to you t- tomorrow because I don't know if it's really you. It could be anybody. Right. That's a flaw. Yeah. In addition, I talk about my business bank knowing everything about my deposit but nothing about my business. Right. The, every, every day, all my deposits from subscriptions come in by PayPal. All my disbursements to my team go out on PayPal. Oh, wow. The bank should be able to put these things together and say, oh my gosh, I wanna build something that's gonna replicate what PayPal gives him because they're getting all the data. PayPal offers me a pre-approved bridge loans while my bank can't because they don't know enough about my business and the inflows and outflows. And then on top of that, you talk about social media. What do we do with those social media leads once we get them? How do we build those into relationships? How do we take those and onboard them? It's, it's crazy when you mm-hmm. think about, you know, to build the experience you mentioned. You, you mentioned this point at the very beginning of our discussion. It's all about data and analytics at the end of the day. Yeah. And, and it's about the ability to believe that your partners can use your data in whatever crazy format it could be in to make better experiences. This is where the partnerships become so important because if we're just using garbage in, garbage out, we're not in a good situation. <laughs> The good news is all these tremendous solution, third party solution providers know how to take data that may not look perfect and make it perfect for their solution. And for a while, I'm good with that. You know, I I can live with that. You know, what's interesting also is looking at small business. We're hearing more and more from credit unions about the importance of small business. How do you rank the importance of small business relationships in your overall business model?
1: Yeah. So it, it is hugely important. Not only is it something that the community has been asking for for years, like I said, we were in the lending space, but really expanding that. They wanted to bank with us. And so step one was, okay, no brainer. We have, an, we have a built-in membership base that already has a desire. But the biggest thing is it's the it's the unique opportunity that credit unions have with small business, and that's the community aspect. The symbiotic relationship between between supporting small businesses and how those small businesses in turn support the community, they hire from within, there's economic impact because of that. And at the base, I mean, that's a credit union's core value. And so there's this relationship of like, we need to support these folks because they they are supporting everyone around us in creating all of that positive influence. Um, and that's something I don't think the bigger FIs can say. The same cannot be said for them because it's a different relationship with them where it's, yes, of course, it's numbers driven for us. We want to be successful. But the, the community impact that we have and the parallels to what credit unions are about and, and how that influences and helps small businesses are, are hand in hand. And so that that sets us up, I think, uniquely in that space.
0: So finally, Courtney, you know, as you look to uh, what you've accomplished and what you have on your, your mission list of things you want to accomplish, what recommendations do you give banks and credit unions of all sizes as they try to double down on their digital banking experiences?
1: Yeah, I, two things come to mind. One is data. We, we've all, we've talked about it a bunch today, right? You have to organize your data. And I would say at this point in time, start thinking about that cookie future and what first-party data means to you. Because in order to get into the advertising space, you, you just talked about all those pieces, right? Coming together from all those sources. If you don't have something that can make sense of that and help you and help the members, and the small business, you're going to fail. We absolutely have to have that in, in scale and space. Um, I talked about partners, not vendors. Uh, I know as a credit union, believe me, we live it. Even though we're, we're, we're a great size one, you still have to have that and scalability. So pick someone who's going to be your partner, and not just somebody that's going to stand up. Um, and then I really believe in the acquisition onboarding technology. Um, you know, you can have a great process to bring someone in. You can have a great DAO uh, a partner, but what are you doing with them when they get in? How are you? How are you continuing that onboarding relationship? How are you personalizing that experience? So you see where the data still plays hand in hand in there. Um, it's the backbone to creating strong relationships. Once they're in, you got to curate them, and it's not about just cross sells. Yes, that will come with, but you got to deliver a great experience to make them want to buy your stuff. Right at the end of the day, so you have to be able to deliver it in a way. Um, that makes them want to engage with you. Backing, banking is not fun; it's not sexy, right? I think I don't think anyone would say that, but you can make it that way. You can introduce gamification, all this stuff, um, and move them through the process. So I think those elements are really important today. If you ask me, um, and what to focus on.
0: Well, it, it's interesting because as I talk to credit union executives, I come from way back in banking time, and and the the foundation upon credit credit unions and community banks is always putting the customer first. Not that the big banks didn't, but they couldn't do it as well. Well, now we've lost a lot of this branch traffic. We've lost a lot of the ways to actually reach out and and touch somebody physically and, and even dynamically in a way that we have conversations. Yeah. The beauty is the digital data and um, analytic capabilities today can actually go beyond what we were able to do when we didn't have those tools. It's only a matter of implementing them and what's also exciting is the ability to do so has become less costly, less difficult to do if you open your eyes to what's available in the marketplace. Third-party providers today can make an institution of your size or even smaller outperform a big organization that goes through just all kinds of layers in order to get anything implemented. It's, it's the, as we do research, we're finding that the very strongest of those in digital transformation, customer experiences, innovation, are the smallest and the largest. The other ones are somewhat encumbered by legacy leadership that gets stuck in their own way and and mm-hmm. not that they don't have the right mission, but you know, I'm I'm impressed by the fact that Citadel has done so much. They did it appears did a whole lot of catching up during COVID, but never stopped running down the field, which that's hard to keep that momentum going. But I have to admit, I, I now met you uh, as digitally as we always do, but um, I wouldn't get in your way. I, you know, I, 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 What's nice is you do it with a kind hand and with empathy. It's not just a, a big fist going through it. I think you've also found a way to work around your organization to say, how do I get the right team together so that somebody doesn't want to be left behind? That's kind of cool. I mean, I don't give a lot of credit to you because it's, it's not easy to implement all these changes. It's not easy to keep the momentum going when there's so many things fighting against it, including the allocation of your own time. And as you said, and it's something that we really emphasize so much, you need to build partnerships with organizations you trust. You can't play the whole game yourself. It's too big. You can't do it all yourself. And if you find the right partners, you're going to do well. Courtney, thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: Thank you, Jim. It's been a great conversation. Um, I've been reading your reports for years, so this was really an honor to come on. So Appreciate yeah. that. Absolutely.
0: Thanks for listening to Banking Transformed. Raised a top five banking podcast and the winner of three international awards for podcast excellence. We appreciate the support we have received to make this endeavor a success. If you enjoy what we're doing, please be sure to take some time to give some love in the form of a review. Finally, be sure to catch my recent articles on the financial brand and the research you're doing for the Digital Bank Report. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to our senior producer, Leah Hassage, audio engineer, Sean Ruh Hoffman, and video producer, Will Pritz. I'm your host, Jim Roos. Remember, building a great customer experience takes a number of factors, including data, analytics, an empathetic mindset, and a great third party provider that can give you the support you need and the experiences that you deserve.
1: You've got questions. We've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the accelerate your business growth podcast to learn from the world's experts